excited to be with you guys today. I am Caroline Shandell. I'm a pastor here. And um, I asked Justin months ago if I could preach on Mother's Day. It wasn't just something handed to me. It was something that I said, I, I really want this day because I have just felt such a burning from God um, about it. And my hope really is that as a mom and as a pastor here, that this would be a day that I could just be among those people in your life that, you know, I don't know what motherhood looks like for you. I don't know, um, I don't know if it's, it's natural, it's, it's spiritual. I don't know if it's hope for or delayed or painful. But what I do know is... Um, that with your life, you are influencing and impacting the people around you, that, that, you, that God's story and his plans are unfolding from you. And I really wanted today to be a day that I, we just got to honor the women of Grace Midtown, like really honor the women, because I just want you to know that I see you and I have such a heart for you, and I just really do believe that God has something special for us today, and that whatever age or stage of life that you are in, what I want you to hear today is that you have God's spirit on the inside of you, that your identity is as a child of him, and that he has such good and purposeful plans over your life and your future. And so I just get to be someone on stage today who really just says yes and amen to all of it. Just a giant, yes, Lord. Like, what are you are doing in their life? What The ways that you are molding her, the ways that you are stretching her, the ways that you are moving with her in whatever season and whatever the story looks right now, I just want to be that person that says yes and amen to what Jesus is doing. And I have just been asking that today is a day that we remember that today is a day that God just breathes such life into us in a real way. I don't know how you walked into this place this morning, but I really am believing that here we can inhale the presence of God in the midst of whatever is. And we can exhale whatever is limiting or restricting us or the judges that judgments that we hear, whatever it is, that we can release that and walk out of here in just a whole new lightness. So let's dive in. Uh, my scripture today is Mark 5, verse 21. We're somewhat in the series, it's Mother's Day, but we're in this series of um, from the heart. And this really is a from the heart message to you as a pastor here. I, I feel this message so deeply today. Um, Mark 5, verse 21. It says that when Jesus had again crossed over by the boat to the other side of the lake, it's typically when you know Jesus is about to do something. He crosses over. He has purpose. A loud crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And then we're jumping to um, verse 35. When Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. 
When they came to the house of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to tell anyone, uh, let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. The girl is hungry. Give her some food. Um, Jesus, thank you so much for your living word. I just thank you, God, for every single person in this room, but specifically every single woman in this room today. I pray, God, that in such a personal and uh, powerful way that you would speak your word, that you would stir up faith in this place, And God, that we would encounter you today in a way that transforms us. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to begin by asking you the question, if you have ever found yourself in a situation that you get there and you're like, how in the world did this happen? Like, how did I get there? Um, You know, there are the small moments like when you take a wrong turn after a wrong turn, you're trying to get somewhere and all of a sudden you stop, you're like, where even am I? And honestly, this is me. I am so bad with directions. Mark, my husband and I will often laugh about the fact that somehow, even when it's to the grocery store I've been to a hundred times, I am the one who will find myself lost. And I'm like, I don't know. He'll be like, how did you do this? Like, it's almost a skill, Caroline. Like, how could you get lost? I'm like, I don't know. I mean, there's some way I could use this in life. It really, I would try to because, and, and really the more confident I come to you and I'm like, oh, no, no, I got it. Yeah, you just take this and then that. The more certain you can be that she has no idea what she's talking about. Like, that is me. Um, But then I think about some of the bigger moments in life. And one of the ones that immediately pops into my mind is years ago, one of my best friends named Allison, she was turning 35. I was 29 at the time. And um, she was the first one of our friends to hit that milestone of sorts. And so she really wanted to go big. And so she had decided to convince a whole group of us to go skydiving for her 35th birthday. And I had this moment I mean, I had this moment. I was in the plane, in the sky, with an open door before me, and a strange man attached to my back who apparently has the equipment to keep me alive. And I am like, how did I get here right now? You know, you're like, this is a terrible idea, but now there is no other option than to follow through with what has happened. And so not in the moment, but later, I just start retracing my steps of like, exactly how did this happen? Which we all know, I mean, it's Allison's fault. Like she had to turn 35. She's way too persuasive in life. And on top of that, she's so generous. She paid for me to go do the thing that I'm like, why in the world would anyone do this? Um, 
And you know, retracing steps can be so helpful because on one hand, when it's something that you don't want to see happen again or get to that place, you need to know like, okay, what took place so that I don't get caught up in the next crazy idea you pitched me as fun. Um, But on the other hand, it, it can be so helpful because when something happens in the best kind of way and you want to see that thing take place again, then you've got to learn and grow as to what happened so that maybe the next time it could happen again. I mean, how many of you know that any one moment is connected to many small decisions that led to that pinnacle place. It's why uh, being an overnight success, the idea of it is just ridiculous or that you win the Super Bowl by chance. It's why the idea that that marriage just happens to have healthy communication. No, it, it doesn't go that way, that any one thing or one moment is connected to many small decisions in the hidden place where you make these small but pointed decisions that are unseen but highly significant. Many moments lead to the one moment, right? It's why even a lot in our stories with God, they can be so suddenly in nature and yet still so connected to decisions that enabled God to do what only he can as you and I did what we can. We can never fabricate God's miracles, but you and I can absolutely participate in their doing. And so when we get to this moment in Mark 5, it's this unbelievable miracle. This girl goes from dying to dead, and yet Jesus, he reaches out and touches her and says some words, and immediately this little girl stands up and begins walking around. And as I read this, I just think like, What happened here? How did we get here? Because this didn't just happen. And the question matters because there are women in this room today. There are women tuning in online. There are women who are going to listen to this podcast at some point. And you've lost parts of who you are. That that girl on the inside of you, the one who's full of passion and fire and purpose with wild faith and daring dreams and overflowing, I think God could maybe do this ideas. I believe that it's time for that girl to rise again because she had dreams and she had intentions and she had vision, but then life happened. The demands started piling up. The to-dos got overwhelming. The the marriage or the parenting or the retirement doesn't feel the way that you thought this season would feel like. And discouragement crept in. Maybe devastation rocked your world recently. And all of a sudden, that girl has just started to drift away. And I just believe it's until today. It's until today. She drifted away until today. Because I didn't come to preach some sweet little Mother's Day message. I know, you were expecting something very flowery and sweet. But um, I came so expectant that the Holy Spirit is going to stir up faith in this room today. That collectively and supernaturally, that he's going to revive parts of who we are and what we're dreaming for in this place today. That we don't just feel good, but we actually get changed from the inside today. That some resurrection comes. I mean, we come to Mother's Day expecting that, right? 
that he would blast off lies from us, that he would set us on fire in such a way that from our lives, faith and purpose and passion would just flow for our future days. Because as Jesus says to this girl in Mark 5, so he says to us today, it's time to get up, girl. It's time to arise. It's time. Now to understand how we get here, we have to back it up. Because this didn't just happen. Choices were made. And the first thing we learn in verse 21 is about a synagogue ruler named Jairus. And Jairus, he was a lay member who had been entrusted with the general oversight of the synagogue by a community of elders. So this wasn't a worship leader or a rabbi or a trained scribe. This was more like a volunteer leader who was responsible for the synagogue. Now, he was a man of distinction. He was known as a leader, but when we meet him in this moment, he is pleading at the feet of Jesus. He, in fact, tells Jesus, my little girl is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. He had so much going for him as a leader, but in this moment, none of that mattered as a father. And we know that, don't we? That all kinds of things can matter until something happens and then you get so clear on what really does matter. And I've always felt a certain way about this scripture because I have my own daughter. And so I feel tender to his desperation and his emotions in this moment of just pleading for Jesus to do something. But what I've always found so surprising is that as Jairus' daughter is dying, he is with Jesus. He's not with her. And it just causes me to wonder, what causes a parent to leave their child as they're dying? And what I think is that he was so desperate that he became so clear on what it is he believed. And what he believed required him to go do, to find Jesus. Because he had a choice to make in this moment. He could stay where he is and just let things be as they were going to be. Or he could get up and go do and maybe something would change. This is important because oftentimes we can think that faith is merely believing something is possible without actually ever doing something about it. So that Jairus could stay at his house and still believe that Jesus can heal his daughter from his home. Or you can believe that God's going to do something with that dream of yours from your couch. Or that God's going to fulfill that desire of yours from your journal entry. But one day, faith in Jesus will require you to get up and go do something about it. Because faith isn't merely believing something is possible. It is action. Scripture says that faith without works is dead. You believe God, then get up and go out with God. And in this moment that we find him, he has such faith that he gets moving. And sometimes with our faith, we have to actually get up and start moving. We have to get out of the house. We have to get out of the situation. We have to get out of the facts, out of the comfort zone. We say that we want God to do the impossible in and through us, but the question is, are you moving? Are you moving? Because what you have faith for will require you to move towards. There's just really no escaping it. You will have to do based on what you believe. 
And so one of the first things that we learned today of how did this happen? Like, how did we get to the moment we know is coming? Well, Jairus got up and he got out with a little faith he had and he found Jesus. Now, what I love is what comes next, because this is just so real to me. In verse 24, it says, Jesus went with him and a large crowd followed and pressed around him. And I read this and I get excited. If you just pause here, you're like, this is going to be awesome. Like there's going to be such a quick turnaround moment. Like he is going to heal this daughter and everything is going to be okay. But as they leave, Jesus gets interrupted. And I'm like, if this is not a picture of parenting right here, I'm going to tell you, if someone asked me today, like, you know, like one word answers, give me one word about parenting, go. I would be like, interruptions. Anyone else? What's parenting? Interruptions. That's all my life is right now is interruption after interruption after interruption. And recently, I mean, this is just as classic as it comes. This week, I I had my cup of coffee and then it started to get cold because I'm taking care of my kids. And then I was like, you know, I'm going to just microwave that cup of coffee. And that's a sacrifice because let's be honest, microwave coffee is never as good as the real thing. But I put it in and I push my button and then I start to get interrupted and one interruption happens after another one happens after another one. And next thing I know, it is 24 hours later and I'm opening that microwave to put my kids food in for breakfast and there's my cup of coffee. I'm like, all we do is interruptions in the season. And the kicker about this moment is that on one hand, Jairus was able to interrupt Jesus, which I think is really beautiful that Jesus was interruptible to him. But Jesus was also interruptible to another woman because as they leave and as this daughter is dying, Jesus gets stopped by a woman with an issue of bleeding. Now, if you were at Candid, little plug for Candid right here, our our women's space that's just amazing and we're gonna launch again in this fall with more of them, but um, last fall, we talked about what happens here because I jumped. They began to move and then we jumped to what happens at the end, but this moment in between in this scripture is that this nameless woman, in comparison to Jairus, the synagogue leader, there's a nameless woman And as Jesus is moving, ready to go heal, and on his way with Jairus, she has this thought in a moment, it says. We talked about this at Candid. She has this thought, if I just reach out and and grab, I could be healed today. And this thought, we have so many thoughts, but she took hold of this thought today. And she decided that this was the thought she was going to to act on this day. And so as Jesus is moving with Jairus, this woman grabs the hem of his garment and healing immediately comes to her body. And Jesus feels the power leaving him. And so he stops in the middle of the crowd and he calls out saying, who did this? And his disciples are saying, there's so many people here. Who do you mean? Who grabs you? But this nameless woman comes from the crowd because he won't let her leave just that way. And and she comes from the crowd and, and he sees her and he calls her daughter. See, she was nameless, but she walked away with a name. She was called daughter. And he said, yes, your faith has healed you in this moment. And so as, um, 
as he was on the way to go heal one daughter, he wanted to stop and make sure another woman knew that she was daughter. And this woman with the issue of bleeding, she had been bleeding for 12 years, which was the same amount of years that Jairus' daughter had been alive, 12 years, 12 years. And this whole moment happens. I know what I would be thinking if I were Jairus in this moment. I'd be like, come on, Jesus, we gotta go. It's my kid. And so what happens next is that as Jesus is sending her off, men from Jairus' household come and they give a report. And they say in um, verse 35, your daughter is dead. They said, why bother the teacher anymore? I wonder, had you ever looked up from all the interruptions that happen in life, even the, the, the good ones, but the interruptions, the, the to-dos, the demands, the interruptions that come with marriage or parenting or careers, the, the interruptions that come with financial goals or with pouring into community or caring for the burdens or sorrows of someone else in life. And you look up seasons or years later and that thing that you're believing God to do, the report is that it's done that the delay was too long and it's over. That's what happens in this moment. It, it was too long. She's gone. And here the report was from Jairus' own household who told him about his daughter. It wasn't enemies who were coming at him, trying to, trying to say it in a certain way. No, these were people from his own home. And let me tell you, there are always so many voices at work in our lives, aren't there? Even well-intentioned ones who like to speak to us about uh, the limitations of who Jesus is. Oh, he's teacher. Or the reality of what is, oh, she's dead. Or the limitations or the likelihood of him exceeding expectations. Why even bother? And some of you can spend so much of your time and focus and energy on listening to and living by these words that are not freeing you, but limiting who you are and what God's doing in your life. Voices that are speaking to, this is just who you are. This is just the way it is. This is just how God does it. But let me just tell you, this is gonna free some people today. Voices in your life that carry no expectancy or possibility for God's supernatural movement or his resurrection life do not get to carry final say over what God is doing in your life. They just don't. They're voices, but if they aren't expecting God to move, you don't have to listen to them. You don't have to listen to them. We were praying as staff this week and I was listening to some of the, the prophetic pictures people had. And I just loved this. One of the pictures was of God just uh, bursting glass ceilings off of women in this space today. And I was thinking about so much of what that ceiling for us is as women. Are words that limit who we are in God's eyes or what God's gonna do in our life? And if that's you and you're like, I just keep hearing what God can't do in me or what's not gonna happen for me, I just wanna speak some truth to you today because what I wanna tell you is that in your life, nothing is impossible for the God who loves you, that no weapon formed against you can prosper, that you have resurrection life on the inside of you, down on the inside of you, that God is 
is doing incredible works in your life and that every plan and purpose over him, every purpose he has in your life is yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Do you know that he gives his spirit over you without limits? That that's the truth of who God is. And that's what we can expect that God does. And I just believe today that ceilings get bursted from all these condemning and restricting words that just get spoken on us. That just aren't the truth of what God's saying. They don't carry the expectancy or the possibility of what he's doing. Because no matter what they say of who you are or what is or is not dead, God is doing something in your life. And you know, I even felt like I was writing this morning I just even felt like someone needed to hear a few specific truths. That you are fully equipped to step in and lead in any room and door and place that the Holy Spirit opens for you. You are fully equipped that you can speak the words and truth of God quietly or loudly or gently or boldly and it be the full truth of God being spoken through you. That we need your voice. That your voice carries power and it's anointed just as it is. That you don't have to look a certain way you don't have to be a certain kind of person and you certainly don't have to have a certain kind of personality in order for God to fully and completely use you. Do you know that you were created to shine? You don't need to be a lesser version of yourself. You can be fully you with the Holy Spirit inside of you and represent him as uniquely as you are and we are here for it and we need it because no one is like you that carries the spirit the way you do. That's who you are in his eyes. That's who you are in his eyes. Now, Jesus, I just love this. In verse 36, some of you have it in your Bibles that probably says he overheard what they said. Mine says ignore. But Jesus overheard this report. And um, in this moment, as he is hearing what is happening, the real like grasp of what that Greek word is of overhearing them is that he is ignoring them. The Greek word, I wrote it down specifically, it means to pay no attention to this report that she's dead, to refuse to listen to or discount truth of. Jesus heard, but do you know what he did? He chose to press ignore to pay no attention to what the report was in this moment. And sometimes the best response we can give to a bad report is to not listen to it. It's just give no time to it, no energy on it, no focus to it, but to literally press ignore. I can be good at this when it comes to eight o'clock at night and I have just sat down on my couch and it's in the first moment that I am relaxing for the night and then my phone rings and I have to make a decision, I'm like, unless I really love you or you really need me, I have no problem pressing ignore. Is anyone else like that? Like, I will talk to you tomorrow. It is eight o'clock and I am done. But when it comes to voices or, or comments or words in my life, I can actually find myself a lot slower to do that, to push that ignore. And yet here, Jesus, he heard them. On his way to heal the daughter, the report was she was dead. Yet had he listened to them, it would have been over. This would have been the end of the story. There, there was no, much, no more for him to do, but he didn't. 
He didn't listen to them. And what I want you to catch is that part of what happened here in this moment of how this all comes to be is this right here, that Jesus paid no attention to what they said. And you can too. You don't have to listen to every voice or every report that's given to you in life. You don't have to listen to it all that you can and must decide by the wisdom and discernment of the Holy Spirit, what do you give ear to? And what do you not? What do you not listen to? And it's not a one-time thing. This is a continual thing because voices keep coming, don't they? They keep coming to you. They keep telling you this is what you can't do or don't go after that healing or why even try? You know, it's gonna be hard or you might fail or that sounds like a difficult path forward. There are always voices, nice ones, well-meaning ones who can still discourage us from going after the thing that God is stirring on the inside of us to go after. And so you and I have to choose again in the middle of all these voices coming at us, what do you silence? Like, what do you ignore? What do you decide is not the full truth? Because here's the thing, how can you listen to the voice of life and power over your situation if you are listening to every voice of the crowd and critic to you? If you're not silencing them, how are you hearing what he's saying in a moment? Because part of hearing God necessitates that you silence what is not him. That you're just like, I'm not listening to that. I get it, you think it's going this way, but I'm pressing ignore. There's more, there's so much more. Now, Jairus says nothing here. He says nothing, but Jesus turns to him in this moment. I find this so interesting because the report comes, Jairus hears and Jesus speaks. And I think what happens in this moment is that Jairus' mind is beginning to turn with what he's heard. Have you been there? You can be in any room, someone gives a report, and you have begun to go with your thoughts of everything this means. And so he's turning it over and he's considering it all. As his mind is turning, so Jesus turns to him. And what Jesus does in this moment is he gives him another option. That instead of just packing up and going home and beginning the grieving process of what is not going to be anymore, there is another option in this moment because what he tells Jairus here is don't be afraid, just believe. Now, I'll be honest, for the gravity of the situation, the words feel too simple to me. I'm like, just believe? After this report about my kid, just believe. And in fact, the Greek there carries this present active tense to it. It means keep believing. Don't be afraid, keep believing. And so what Jesus is saying here is just as I'm pressing ignore on every voice that's coming with the report, Jairus, I need you to press in by faith. I need you to press in by faith with all of your being in this moment. I need you to keep believing and believing and believing that though the temptation is despair right now, Jairus, I need you to hold on by faith. And here's the thing, faith for most of us is believing something is possible while recognizing what is right now. 
It's not being, uh, it's not discounting reality. It's not being delirious or disillusioned by it. It is actually being defiant. It is saying, though this is right now, I believe that God is not done. And so as the fear creeps in, as the time passes by, as the interruptions happen in this mo- in, in our stories, and those dreams of yours go from dying to seemingly dead. The question is, can you keep believing? That's all Jesus gave in this moment. Can you keep believing? Now, you and I, we like things more complex. I don't know if you're, you recognize it, but I have come to realize in my life, I overcomplicate a lot of things, especially in faith. But so we like the formulas or we want the complexity or we want the textbooks to tell us all the intricacies of how we're going to get our breakthrough in this moment. And yet what Jesus speaks here is so simple. It's so to the point. Keep believing, Jairus. Keep believing. You got the report. Keep believing. You hit the low. Keep believing. You failed. You forgot, you fell down, keep believing. Now, it doesn't mean that everything is just gonna turn out the way we think. But what it does mean is that despite our circumstances and despite if things end up happening a certain way at a certain time, like what we want, we get to decide. We get to decide that we're anchored to Jesus. We get to decide that our choice is faith. We get to decide that we're standing on the faithfulness and the promise in the life of him alone. And do you know what bursts open glass ceilings and blasts off lies from us? It is actually believing that Jesus is greater than any word or any report or any lie spoken against us. That's what actually bursts it off. It's not something in me. It's him saying, no, whatever has come, whatever word has been spoken, I am greater than it. I am greater than all of it. And so how did we get here to this moment of this little girl getting raised from the dead? Choices were made. It didn't just happen. I even just feel God on that right now. Some of you are just waiting for it to happen. And you're so frustrated it's not happening. And you're spending, spending your time and energy asking God, why is it not happening? Well, because here choices were made. And maybe you have some choices that have to get made because it didn't just happen. Jairus chose to leave his daughter and go find Jesus. Jesus chose when the report came to ignore them. And then Jairus had to choose in the face of the report, can you keep believing that I am still more true than the circumstances that you are hearing about in this moment? Those choices led to this moment of resurrection power when Jairus and Jesus and a few trusted ones, they go to this house and they show up at the house. And what we find that has happened is that there's a very loud commotion that is going on. I just love it. Even in the scripture, it says, um, people are crying and wailing loudly. In first century Judaism, you were required to have mourners at your funeral. And so you can imagine these are actually like professional wailers. 
and they're being so loud. They're supposed to be and crying so loud over this. And Jesus walks into this place, into this room, and he tells them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. And they laugh at him. But do you know what he does then? He's like, you guys have to all leave now. And so he clears out the whole room. He's like, you're laughing? Well, goodbye to you. And sometimes, how many of you know you have to clear the room for the miracle? Like sometimes you just have to clear out some stuff. You might have to clear out some stuff from your life or your mind or the clutter, but you have to clear some stuff for the miracle to take place. You can't have a whole bunch of naysayers up in the middle of things all the time as God is moving. Because what I love about this moment is it was a family miracle. It was a family moment. It was Jesus and a few of his trusted ones and the parents. That's who was in this place. And Jesus took this little girl's hand and he spoke in Aramaic the words, Talitha kum. And it literally means, it is time to get up, little girl. There has been sorrows and interruptions and reports. There's been cries and crowds. But I need you to listen to me right now because I say, get up. And immediately, this little girl stands up and begins to walk around. And what I just felt God wanting to say today is that what you think is dead and done, God's saying it's time to wake up. It's time to hear his voice of life over you, over your future, over your family again. That the dreams you have, the the visions, the purposes of that girl It's time for her to arise. It doesn't matter who's counted you out or counted you down. You can listen to him speak and so decide, I'm getting back up. The the report does not define me and the word doesn't restrict me because I'm choosing in this moment to get back up. And the pioneering spirit of us as women is in marking a future that carries a different story from the past. That And in doing that, having to make choices that say, I'm going into a new realm right now. Like I'm moving into a new territory of, of intimacy and authority with Jesus. I'm discounting the lies. I, I'm releasing the stuff that is limiting me in this moment. The barriers that are against me that are not him and not his kingdom. I'm releasing those and I'm stepping in and I'm getting back up so that for your life and your family, And for the generations to come, you get up and release every bit of who you are. So the story of your life is, yeah, Jesus is this real. He's this real that in my own life, he has brought resurrection life. That I was counted out, that I was thought dead, but Jesus, but Jesus, but Jesus. A band can come up. We're going to finish up. Now, all of this happened, not by chance, but by choice, choice. Jairus chose with this tiny little bit of faith to believe that Jesus was more true than his circumstances. And Jesus chose to ignore who was trying to count out what he was calling back. And then Jairus had to choose to keep believing. Just keep believing, keep believing. And all this led to this moment where this little girl, all the noise left, 
all the reports left, all the stuff got out of there so she could hear the voice of the one who carries resurrection power call her back to life. And Jesus spoke, so she arose. And I so believe today that Jesus is speaking so that women in this place, men too, we're not discounting you today. I'm just honoring the women. Whoever you are, we love you. We value you. Come back to life. Come back to life today. Come back to life today. I want to invite you to stand. We're going to have some ministry to close out this Mother's Day. I'm going to have a corporate moment of ministry. I felt a real stirring about this. I'm going to mention quickly that there are communion throughout the room that you, we want to encourage you to go find. There'll be a slide later that will show it. And there's always beautiful ministry team over here ready to pray for you. But, you know, I was thinking about it. Some of you just are trying to live your life on your own. And this faith thing is like, you're considering it. And if that's you, I'm so thankful you're here. And I really want you to know that life comes from Jesus Christ alone. Eternal life, full, abundant life is found only through Him. And if you want that today, today's your day. Today's your day. Some of you have that thing sleeping and it's dormant on the inside of you. You're like, yeah, something has been really dormant for a while. Some faith, some hope, some resiliency. And if that's you, I just, it's your day. You can arise from that place with him. Some of you would probably even say, no, that thing's dead, Caroline. I stopped praying. I stopped hoping. It's over. No, it's not. Because that's the good news of Jesus. It's never over. Even in the face of the reports and the critics and the, the facts, it wasn't over. She wasn't dead. He brought her to life. And he can bring you to life even still. And here's what I want to do quickly. I know that there are some, but there may be more. And you have a word or um, there is some ceiling or restriction on your life that is keeping you from being fully who God has made you to be. And you just keep hitting it. It's like you almost get the breakthrough and then that memory comes back. You almost get there, but then the tether pulls you. You almost tap into it, but then that thing reminds you again, no, not for you. No, not today. No, no, don't, don't forget what happened. And I just felt God being like, no, we're blasting off some glass ceilings today and we're getting rid of some lies today because freedom isn't constantly hitting a ceiling in your life. Freedom is tapping into the full and abundance of who Jesus is in your life. And there's no shame on this. There's none, but there's freedom in this. And so what I want you to do is if you're someone who's like, yeah, I feel that. Maybe you put a hand on your heart. Maybe you grab someone next to you and just like put a hand on me, on my shoulder. Maybe you lift a hand, but this is a moment for you and Jesus right now. 
This is a moment for you and Jesus. It doesn't matter that there's a lot of people. I want you to tap into a moment of ministry with him because here's what I want you to do in this moment. I want you to bring to mind what that word or that memory or that restriction is. That thing that has kept you in such a way that every time you try to tap into breakthrough, it just pulls you back again and again. You might need to close your eyes to get there. You might need to get on your knees. I don't know what it is, but I want you to drown out all of this and go tap into a place with God with you in this moment. And right now, in Jesus' name, we break that thing off of your life and off of your generations and off of your family and off of your future in Jesus' name. We break that thing. We break the power of it. We break the purpose of it. We break the condemnation of it, the judgment of it, that you are good and you are beautiful and you are fully in him. And he has created you and made you and every plan and purpose of his life is good and purposeful. He has not forgotten you. He has not rejected you. He has not sent you into a pit of despair. No, he is the God who reaches out his hand and takes hold of you and says, it's time to arise and it's time to get up. And if you need that freedom, Holy Spirit, would you just stir it in this place today? I pray that tethers break by the power of Jesus, that lies dissolve off of you and that you walk out transformed and that the family you are part of becomes transformed. It's Mother's Day, that the generations to come from your life are blessed and good and purposeful and any curse, can I say it? Any curse in the name of Jesus gets broken off of you, that you are building a legacy and it is beautiful and of the Lord. And we bless your children. We bless your spiritual children. We bless the children that you are crying for and hoping for and believing for. We bless the children that will come from you days and years and decades from now. We call them blessed and in the house of the Lord and full of his purpose and fire. And that the generations to come from you will tap into a freedom because of how you are tapping into Jesus. You're giving it all to him and he is bringing things to life in Jesus' name. Come, Holy Spirit, come. May we wake up into the fullness of you. May we wake up and arise in Jesus' name, amen.